The Guardian. Welcome. This is the Global Development Podcast and I'm Lucy Lamble. More than 20 million people in four countries are at risk of starvation, according to the UN, making this the biggest crisis facing the world since 1945. So far, only parts of South Sudan have been formally classified as in famine, but the UN has clearly signalled that many other parts of East Africa are on the brink. Humanitarian agencies say that they need $4.4 billion by July just to assist those already in need. Why are we here again and what can and should be done? Joining me today are reporters Ben Quinn, fresh back from Somalia, and Simona Fultine, who's been to one of the worst affected areas in South Sudan. First to Hargeza and Burao in Somaliland. I spent a week in Somaliland, the self-declared republic, which is in northern Somalia. And we travelled um, uh, from Hargeza, the capital, over to Burao, the second largest city. Um, it was a parched, bleak landscape where you once had green pastures and instead it, it was littered with the carcasses of animals and uh, livestock of various types who had died. Uh, there are the animals in which people, the nomadic pastoral farmers in that region rely uh, for their livelihoods on and as a result they've been forced into um, impromptu camps which you see scattered around the landscape as you drive through it. When did, when did she arrive? So one of the places I visited was a nutrition stabilization clinic for acutely and severely malnourished children uh, in the city of Burao, Somaliland's second largest city. And what I saw there was a small ward with about 20 beds, um, the same number of mothers and children, um, some people as well lying on the ground in mattresses because of a lack of space. So among the people I spoke to were two mothers at that clinic. One had a severely malnourished uh, son, one year and eight month old. Um, so she brought him to the clinic in Burao for help. And here she is speaking about their plight. When the goats were alive, we gave him milk. Then, when that ran out, we gave him tea. Since we arrived at the hospital here, we have fed him milk again. Sometimes we gave him dried rice, but there's no more food for the adults. We will stay in this area. We have nowhere else to go. The other mother I spoke to, um, she was in the same stabilisation ward a few beds away. She had a two-year-old son who'd been vomiting and had diarrhoea as well. A typical uh, example of some of the families there. My son is two years old. Just like the other cases, our livestock was wiped out. There's no water and the situation is desperate. He has been sick for the last 18 months since the drought. I am from here. There was no assistance there, so we came here. I was feeling very desperate. There are so many people. I have 10 children and he is the youngest. We heard there the sounds of children clearly in need. What actually happens at a feeding clinic, Ben? How are mothers and children being helped? They receive therapeutic products such as F75, which is a therapeutic milk product. Um, and at a later date, they might also be uh, treated with other, pro with other products. Um, one of the initial things before that, though, is treatment for complications which arrive from, arise from malnutrition, and that might be diarrhoea, vomiting, um, various other types of health uh, conditions, which are really quite acute at the moment in various parts of Somalia, which are suffering from that uh, crisis. I also spoke to Ali Mohamed Farrar, the governor of the region of Sarar in Somaliland, which is one of the most badly affected areas uh, of this looming famine. 
And he told me that he had been receiving calls from people who were in a really bad way. They had actually been unable to uh, make make their way into the cities or towns for any sort of rudimentary aid or relief. People were lying around, too weak to move, he'd been told by, by telephone. We were unable to reach those areas as well, as was he. So here he is speaking about the, the general situation in that region, and you can really tell how bad things are getting. The displacements, yeah, the displacements, which is uh, across the region, is causing um, challenges. Lack of food, people displaced, they lack food, they lack proper shelter, they lack water. So, and potentially it can lead to outbreaks. He's fearing there will be outbreak of diseases because of people living in poor sanitation, and the camps increasing in number. When so many people are displaced, as, as they are from, from the drought in this situation, there are always concerns about outbreaks of measles and cholera. Is there any evidence of that happening? Well, yes, there is, actually. And uh, Gavi, the Vaccine Alliance, is distributing um, 956 uh, doses, which is going to be reaching, um, I think, quite a lot of people in various parts of Somalia. Um, there has been reports of uh, outbreaks of measles and indeed nurses and health workers we spoke to on the ground anecdotally told us about that as well. Um, uh, one of the problems is that people have resorted to uh, taking supplies from um, tainted or dirty water and of course that's a, that's a big issue when it comes to cholera. Simona, you've been a regular visitor to South Sudan since its creation in 2011. On this last trip, you actually managed to get up to Unity State, not an easy part of the country to access. What did you see there? These people who essentially have come to these food distribution sites um, for to get some food that is being delivered by UN agencies, um, they are the strongest ones. They are those who have been able to walk um, sometimes for days to get out of the swamps where they've been hiding. So it's difficult to see a difference between a year and a half ago when already things were really bad and already people were severely food insecure and now when famine has actually been declared. The people who are probably most affected by this famine are you know, far away from the reach of aid agencies. They're probably uh, on some of these islands in the swamps uh, where they've been hiding for months or even years. Simona, how are the government in South Sudan reacting? The government has said that it would pledge 1% um, of the humanitarian appeal from the international community, uh, which is in total $1.6 billion. So of course, 1% of that is uh, you know, quite a nominal amount. But of course, we have to remember that in the end, the government is one of the actors in this armed conflict and is very much responsible, at least, um, in part for what we are seeing in unity. It is basically a direct result of lack of access by humanitarian actors. And the, the party that is especially being blamed for that is the government. So are aid agencies actually able to, to get the access they critically need? Uh, well, they are now. They have really ramped up um, aid operations. They have reached over 300,000 people in southern and central unity, which is, which is quite a lot. Uh, but of course, what is really needed is full-time access. They may be able to get in, uh, distribute food aid, let's say, for a month. But if they're not able to come back in a month's time, then the same scenario will be repeated over and over again. Um, the real problem is that there, the peace deal that was signed in 2015 has pretty much collapsed. There is very little 
will on the side of the international community to return to the negotiating table. And in light of that, it's just very difficult to see how this conflict will end anytime soon. If you're a listener sitting at home weighing up now whether you're going to donate to any of the current appeals, how significant a risk is it that donations that individuals make end up in the wrong hands? Well, it's a good question. It's a difficult one. Um, There has always been a degree of aid diversion, both voluntary and involuntary. So what we've seen a lot um, in Unity, but also in a lot of other parts of South Sudan is armed actors deliberately targeting civilians who have received aid. Um, Part of this is out of necessity because simply they don't get anything to eat themselves. But of course, a lot of this is also deliberate um, effort to starve a population that is perceived as sympathetic to the other side. Um, The problem is that there doesn't really seem to be an alternative. Nobody has been able to come up with a way to do it safely where you can make sure that aid is not going into the hands of armed actors. And in the end, UN agencies and aid agencies are faced with a very difficult choice to deliver aid and risk that it reaches, you know, maybe some of the right people, but also armed actors, or not deliver aid at all, in which case people would certainly die of hunger. Ben, the situation obviously in Somalia and particularly in Somaliland is is rather different. It's very true. Um, It is different in Somaliland. It's a relatively stable uh, uh, area. Um, There is the issue of al-Shabaab, which is quite active in in southern parts of Somalia and parts of Puntland. And I think a report in 2013 by the Overseas Development Institute, in fact, found that um, al-Shabaab had been quite successful in squeezing uh, money out of aid organizations. They they even set up their own humanitarian office to um, coordinate that. So aid 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 groups or humanitarians in southern Somalia, where al-Shabaab are particularly active, are left in a very difficult decision. Um, And uh, unfortunately, they've got over their shoulders legislation in, in developed countries which penalise those who work uh, in areas and perhaps would, would be tempted to pay money to um, uh, groups such as al-Shabaab. It drives those types of payments underground, but they have to be made in order to get past roadblock Y or roadblock X. So that's an issue It's going to be, it, it's, probably, it, it's quite critical already in, in Somalia at the moment this time around. It was very critical in, in 2011 during the last famine. So in the north, in, in Somali land where it's relatively stable, um, the government there have been saying they've, they've seen very little aid coming to, to it in term, to, from developed countries, from major donors such as the US or the UK. Back in 2011, the last officially declared famine, more than a quarter of a million people died. Do health workers and officials feel that the situation could be as bad this time around? One of the people I spoke to was Zamzam Jama Saeed, who was a, a worker at a mobile health clinic supported by UNICEF. Um, outside of the city of Burao, and um, she just shook her head when we said, how, how bad is this going to be? Is it going to be worse than 2011? She was in no doubt that was the case. She basically said, we need help now. And um, looking around, she was in a camp where there were more than a 1,000 people. We went in, into tents, spoke to people who said that they had run out of their last remaining stocks of food a, a day before. They were out of water. So um, next week or the week after is potentially going to be too late for those people if uh, an aid relief effort doesn't get into gear very soon. I spoke to Saeed uh, Shiwe, the foreign minister, and um, very quietly spoke a man but couldn't uh, hide his frustration and I, I was quite scathing about the international response. WFP, the welfare program, Yes. also I think just finished 
providing for 6,000 families yeah. for three months. And I understand they just started or about to start feeding another 2,500 families, I heard. Mm. But when you compare that to the need, yeah. which is about you know, for 250 to 300,000 yeah. families. Yeah, in Somali land. Yeah. It's really you know, a drop in the ocean. Yeah. I think we have survived so far because of the effort. I put it to the foreign minister that there is obviously a concern yes. about corruption. Um, and the response from the foreign minister was um, he understood that, but uh, what was the choice? Um, and he pledged that they do have a, a committee which is made up of business people and members of the government who are coordinating the aid effort. He feels that the aid is just not getting through in, in, in its current format via um, NGOs just fast enough um, and he feels that the government should be a channel for it. So um, I think people people on the ground there don't care how they get their aid as long as it comes through and it's just not coming through at the moment. I think most of the death has taken place in the last, in the last weeks. And this is now? This is now. This time round, how does the pace of the response compare? I think that really remains to be seen. Um, I, it certainly does seem to be the case that aid is needed uh, within days or within weeks in, in terms of fairly large concentrated levels in order to um, prevent an absolute catastrophe. Um, there are uh, organisations like International Rescue who, who say it's too late, catastrophe has already arrived. Um, and certainly Stephen O'Brien that uh, the UN has been uh, talking in very, very um, uh, graphic terms and forthright terms about how aid is needed now. And you've got some uh, donors in, in developed countries. The UK has, uh, has allocated £100 million to uh, Somalia. But the problem is transferring the, the money actually into assistance on the ground. Um, in a way, it's, it's too soon to say whether that's getting through uh, expansively, but equally, we can't wait um, to determine that it needs to happen now. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Simona. That's the end of this episode of the Global Development Podcast. You can listen to all our podcasts on theguardian.com slash global hyphen development or on iTunes, SoundCloud or your favourite podcasting app. I'm Lucy Lamble and the producer is Carrie Stewart. Until next time, goodbye. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.